When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're live. Guys, it's your boy Z-Dog MD, and I'm very lonely today because I am supposed to do the Alt Center show with the other part of the Alt, which is Tom Heineber. But guess what? Tom Heineber did this thing where he had this thing called a baby, and apparently he overslept. And I had been frantically texting Danielle, his wife, who was awake because uh, uh, I happened to know that because she was um, posting something on something. And uh, I said, where's Tom? And she's like, he's sleeping. And I'm like, he's supposed to be here. 9.30, we're doing a show. You tell Tom Heinenberg, wake up. Stop breastfeeding that baby, Tom Heinenberg, and get in. And so let me, he should be almost here. Let me just text him and remind him because you never know. But we're going to talk about things and stuff today. The measles outbreak. We're going to talk about toxoplasma and a lot of really, really uh, dumb things live. Come on, Tom. Oh, oh, geez, dude. Dude, really? My bad. Oh, my gosh. Oh, there he is. Hi, people. I'm here. <laughs> dude. That... Have you ever seen Seven? Uh, no. The Seven Deadly Sins? You've never seen Seven? I never saw it. What? I this mean... This is a worse crime than me being late. It could be. <laughs> you could be. You may have me on that. There's a moment in Seven where uh, he's like... Oh no, John Doe has the upper hand. John Doe has the upper that's what it's like having a baby. It's like <laughs> this baby has the upper hand. You know? Tell tell me why. <laughs> T- just tell me the story. Oh, my no. headphones not plugged in because I can't hear myself. You, really? Hold on. Let me get you. Turn up, oh, it is. It's cranked. Here, let me uh, Hello. You testing. can't hear yourself? Testing. I hear me and I hear you. Testing. Hmm? Now I can hear myself. Oh. My levels are just low, man. Oh, you know, Logan turned it down because you're so loud. This Try is, it again. Uh, there we go. This is what we call fascinating podcast. <laughs> you guys, the, the Z-Pack needs to understand how Team Z rolls. This is how we roll. Sometimes Tom disappears. Sometimes I disappear. But I usually disappear out of spite, not me, out of accident. Let me tell you a story. Okay. So I'm late, right? Because I got woken up, you know, 4 a.m. You're always claiming that you're woke. <laughs> But what, do you, what are you going to do when you get woken up at 4 a.m., but you can't go to sleep? You know what I mean? You yeah. go back to sleep. Do you have this problem? Every I day. Do. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I do is I, I argue with anti-vaxxers online. Oh, no. So I went you, on, Really? That's why you stayed awake? I went on Twitter, oh. and there was this girl named... Uh, well, I'm not going to say her name, but her Twitter handle is at mom of two dinosaurs, and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, it says, I'm not a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 24, ex-vaxxer, cloth diapers, educate before you vaccinate. I love my babies. And so I get into it. She's got this baby, you know, allegedly vaccine injured. And uh, I basically just like, she's like, yeah, the on the internet, everybody's always telling me that I'm such a terrible mother for not vaccinating my children. And I'm like, I mean, well, yeah, you're basically signing your kid up for the possibility of measles and polio and 
and other things. You said something that rational to her. That you, yeah, oh, I've, I've, tried, I've, I've been trying to be rational. Yeah, wow. That you chose not to vaccinate for, right? <laughs> and it's like, her baby medically cannot be vaccinated, and her doctor said so. And I'm like, really? What, what did the doctor say? And it's like, here's a video of him. Just look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> they actually sent you that? That's what she said. She was like, my son j- must just be faking it for the trend, right? Because I just listen to mom blogs and wear tinfoil hats and do yoga and inject essential oils, right? This is my reason for never poisoning my child again. Before you say it wasn't vaccine related, it was. His pediatrician confirmed. And then she sent me this video of him looking like just a regular cross-eyed baby who's right. maybe got some spit bubbles going on. I mean, who doesn't look like that <laughs> at that time of morning? And then, and then I'm like, okay. What did the pediatrician say? She won't say anything. Like, because nobody said anything yeah. to her. She just looked at this baby one day and was like, <gasps> you look strange. <laughs> and then from then it was on, you know? So this is what kept you up this morning. Well, and then I you was, went back to sleep. To be fair, I was already up. Right. Because, because of the baby. I have a real healthy baby, vaccinated. Vaccinated fully. Not, fully vaccinated. By well, Dr. Not, Blair Duddy, who's going to be on the show shortly. That's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not fully vaccinated because... She's only had the two-month schedule of shots. Right, right. But up to date on the vaccination. Mm. Right, yeah. Mm. Well, it's true. This, up to this, date. The vaccine thing is keeping a lot of people up at night, especially in these epidemic areas where there are outbreaks of measles that was apparently eliminated largely in the U.S. just a little while ago. Measles is from malnutrition. We don't get measles here because we're well-fed in the U.S. Tom, you know, and I know, that the rate of measles was decreasing well before... The vaccination that came around to poison our little Paco. Uh, that's horseshit. By the way, there was a great article. You know, when the lay press starts shaming anti-vaxxers, you know we've reached a tipping point. Finally. I think we have. Yeah. yeah. Business Insider, the top, you know, 10 things that anti-vaxxers say that are yeah. total lies. And it was the same as all this stuff, right? I think because, uh, you know, who, who, can I say this? Who the fuck is listening to the mainstream press about anything? Even if they're on our side, who <laughs> listens to them? Yeah, just li- you know? listen to us, guys. Don't listen. To- <laughs> I, I've, 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 I don't know if I told the story to you, but uh, you know, I have a friend, Chance, and he went to shoot a movie in the Philippines. He was gone for like two months. Then he came back, and he asked his stepfather, you know, who's sort of a conservative, Trumpy type guy. He was like, "What's been going on in this country?" He's like, "I'll tell you what's been going on in this goddamn country: a coup, a literal coup." <laughs> They're trying to oust our president (laughs) because this dude has just been watching Fox News. Fox Fox News has a 24-hour news cycle. They have to fill time. Right. And they're just like, hey, what's going on? Mm, Probably a coup. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Listen, I tell my mom, my mom, every week I have a call with her. It's this insane... 20 minute rant. I just, this is what yeah. I've started doing is just putting the phone on speaker like over here <laughs> and then just like doing my emails and answering Facebook messages. And it's like, and then they, I can't believe that what they're doing to him. You know, he's, he's trying to help the country and this is happening. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's terrible. I know. Well, one of the things is, you know, they, they qualify everything with this statement. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they say, some people say, oh, yeah. Some people say, the black people have an extra muscle, and they're like, I'm not racist. Some people say it. And you know what I mean? That's how they get away with it on Fox News. And then on MSNBC, they're like, you know, some people say we should have full communism and the richer to blame. 
<laughs> you know what's funny about that extra muscle for black people? So they actually did a study a while back. I forget when it was and what the details were, but they asked a bunch of medical students about actual physiologic differences between oh, and they thought that it was... Caucasians and African-Americans. And a lot of the medical students were like, yeah, uh, they agreed with statements like, uh, black people have a higher pain tolerance or black people have an extra muscle or, but and these were medical fucking students. So if you think there isn't still a bunch of conditioned weird bias and misinformation in the world, I mean, there, there fucking is. Right. I mean, some get, people say that. That's, you know, I don't, this is why I won't let the resonance work on me. <laughs> oh, this again. There's no way. We were just talking about this with, uh, <laughs> I forget who I was having this conversation with. Oh, with Nina Shapiro on that's the show. Right, right. Should you let resonance touch you? And the truth is, it depends. Because Sam Harris said, right? He was right. like, I don't want them working Sam Harris on me. was like, I don't want them yeah, touching yeah, yeah. The thing is, it depends on where. So am I going to let like. No offense, know? I've met the resonance here in, in our town. And uh, the answer is no. It's a, it's a hard, it's a no for me, dog. It's As, a hard pass. <clears throat> As an attending physician in this town, I am not going to comment on this, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm going to read Jessica Beliski's comment because it says, love you guys, 100, and she's a supporter, plus one. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. I say 100 because I'm white. <laughs> yeah, you did that on the on the shoot for one seek. I'm like, like, yes, 100. Guys, we're keeping it 100 today. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody put on their cardigans. We're going to keep it 100. <laughs> um... Arlene Durow, who appears African-American in her avatar as a supporter plus two, so suck it whoever was supporter plus one, she says, I have an extra muscle. That explains that episode at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Arlene Durow, can you share one of your extra muscles with me? Because I could definitely use, an, as a Zoroastrian Indian, we have one less muscle. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, been in nursing 10 years. No resident will ever touch me or any family member. Leanne Cunningham. Okay, I'm going to take offense. Word. I'm going to take offense. Word. As a former resident myself, we have to learn residents do a great job. If you go to a teaching hospital, it's part of the thing. And they are supervised now. And what Nina Shapiro was saying is there's a lot more supervision now than there was in the old days when residency literally meant you stayed in the hospital for three days. That's why you called, they called you a resident. Let me ask you a simple question. Mm -hmm. You ever seen a resident kill a guy? Have I ever seen a resident kill a guy? I've seen every type of doctor kill people. Yep. Word. Rest my case. So at <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Perry Mason, that, that <laughs> completely follows. <laughs> oh, a lot of people say, see, Allison Fryer, no residents ever for me, but my patients, uh, I roll, we all need to learn. See, that's the thing. It's like not in my backyard. We need nuclear waste dumps. But don't put it in Yucca Mountain. Well, to be fair, okay, like my wife is a nurse. There's a very short list of doctors who she will allow. And it doesn't matter, resident yeah, this is right. or, or yeah, uh, you're right. know, senior statesman. Mm. It, 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 it's like there's one doctor. And if that doctor's not available, my wife is basically, like when we were looking for OBs, she's like, yeah, I'm just not going to have this baby if she can't do this. I'm like, you're already pregnant. <laughs> Can't get just She's gonna have to move to New York to have that late term abortion. <laughs> but we did. We got the OB that we really wanted, and you know. But but then when it was like the night of, and it was like, oh, the laborist might have to do it, and all this, it was like, no, no, they shan't. I will wait. Oh, for interesting. This, you know? so, so just kinda we kind of we kind of pushed back our labor a little bit. To, to get wait the right. for the OB. This yeah. is fascinating because we had the I say our labor, like I did. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I slept on the couch and drank Capri Suns. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, see, this is the thing. Like, we had the bait and switch for ours. So we thought, oh, we're going to have our doc. And then it turns mm -hmm. out, no, we had a laborist. Yep. And not only was it a laborist for our first child, it was my former intern. 
And here's the interesting thing. I remembered her as an intern <laughs> and I was like, hmm. So we were talking about residence, right? Yeah. Now she's an attending. She's gonna deliver my first baby. And the question is, what do I do? Do I say, get me another attending? Mm -hmm. No, I go, sounds good. I'm gonna sit here and watch. And uh, it was uh, nerve wracking. It really was, I mean, first baby anyways. But, but, but it gets to the point, nurses, doctors, professionals who know, they're all one degree of separation from these docs. We know who we're not gonna let touch us. Well, here's the thing too, that you come, I mean, Stanford's one of the best teaching hospitals in, in probably the world. So yes, of course, like you're, you're biased to think that the residents are gonna do a great job because like Peter Atia was one of your residents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, actually there's something to this. Yeah. And, and this is gonna sound elitist because it is. Uh, if, you're, if you have a tertiary problem, in other words, something complex, not a bread and butter issue, mm -hmm. um, I would never fucking ever in my life go to a community hospital or to a third rate, like a, a lower tier teaching hospital. Right. And there's a reason, because there are differences in, <laughs> in skill set, capability, engagement, teaching resources. Um, you have, you know, the very high level tertiary care facilities where if you have something like complex lupus with complications or you need a transplant, yeah. that's where I would go. But the thing is, if I want my appendix out, I would go to someone who does a lot of them in a community setting and the, the hospital is, is a decent hospital. That's perfectly fine. People say this with um, LASIK eye surgery all the time. They're like the expensive one, the guy doesn't do it enough mm -hmm. and it's not gonna be right. The cheapo one, the guy does a lot of them. So yeah. like he's probably gonna do a good job. Like thousand percent. I hear this all the time from people about eye surgery. When Robbie Pearl was on the show, we were talking about how, how do you fix healthcare? He's the guy who ran the Kaiser Medical Group for right. a long time. He, his proposal, and I agree with this, is that you have less hospitals, less people doing these procedures, mm. and they do more of them. They're centers of excellence. This is interesting because it, when you're in um, a dense city center, there are actually less restaurant options, uh, and they're more, they're higher quality and they're more efficient. Yeah. They're able to serve more people. Now, compare this to when we were in rural Texas just a little while ago. Like, no offense, rural Texas, I won't say the name of the town. I didn't. You know, other than the meals that we had in people's homes. Mm, which were amazing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really have a good meal the entire time we were yeah, there. Yeah. I, I, we were paying, you know, like, it was, I think we had we had a meal for the crew and it cost $200 and it was one of the worst meals I ever had it in my life. It was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I'll say this, this is true. This is absolutely true. So where I grew up in uh, Clovis, California, Fresno, California, worst food I have ever had in my life. And every time I go back, I pull out Yelp and I'm like, let me see, maybe, right. maybe things have improved. And I get the five-star rating, I go, it's a sh the shittiest food you've ever had. <laughs> Cause and their I, five stars is different. It's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like somebody going, wow, this is the best shit we have in town. I, my, my grandparents are from Rock Falls, Illinois, which is one town over from Dixon where Ronald Reagan was born. Both of these towns have like a, a total of 22,000 people that live in both of them, mm. right? And so I'm out there for the summer, like a couple of years ago uh, and she's like, you know, Dixon, they have a sushi restaurant now. You like sushi, right? You're fancy. You want to go over there? And uh, it's a sushi buffet that looks like the sushi came from a Costco in Chicago two hours away. And uh, there were French fries out for the locals. Oh. And I'm like, I don't want to eat these French fries. And she's like, what are you too good for these French fries at this sushi restaurant? <laughs> Here's a question. Are you too good for the French fries? So could the answer it be? is yes, yes I was. Because I, I did not eat them. Well, because you're spoiled by <laughs> being a, a, an elite in a, in a major food town. The question is, are local, like for example, my parents, Yeah, they are as backwards a people 
I mean, they're both physicians, right? You think, and they're you know, middle, upper middle class. You could eat whatever you want. They will choose to go to McDonald's. Hardee's. When, when we're on yeah, vacation. Carl's Hardy, Denny's. Yeah. The, oh, the moon's over in Miami. Uh-huh. Delicious. Yeah. A grand slam. Have you had that? So much bacon. Totally. And you get to Denny's and it's a soggy piece of shit with the, and you're just like, but, but we're spoiled. So our, our, our thing is, but so are we criticizing these restaurants when they're actually serving the local population exactly what they want? Yes. I'm criticizing them because most of the time they're not very good. I mean, you find a couple hidden gems and like, yeah. if it's fried food, usually it'll be okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because everybody can do fried food. But, you know, it's okay. So it's interesting. So getting it back to medicine is, um, you know, my, <clears throat> so my grandfather lived in the small town, Rock Falls, Illinois, in, and he had pancreatic cancer. The doc there, his primary, knew enough to know what he didn't know mm. and sent him to Milwaukee to have a Whipple mm. instead of just basically, he had, he had pancreatic where he could have told him to go home and die. And he mm. was, you know, 80 or something when he was diagnosed. He went to Milwaukee, had the Whipple. And uh, he ended up living for nine years after that. That's insane. So it was a pretty good catch by this doc to know what he didn't know and send him where he needed to go. Right. You know? So like, I think that's what... Uh, that's what you want. Yeah. And, and the truth is, like I said, I've worked with residents in all kinds of rural communities. Right. And some of them are just, they're tremendous. They have a lot of insight. They care a lot. And they're really good at bread and butter. And they, occasionally they're good at recognizing complexity yeah. and sending it off. Now that's the thing. You have to send it off quickly. And even, you know... I shouldn't tell the story, I'll, I'll anonymize it, but uh, I have a very close relative who had an eye problem. Mm. And uh, as a teenager, and it was missed by the local doctors and ultimately got referred late and lost vision in that eye. And it could have been taken care of at a tertiary center. And it's very tough. So people, you know, like muggles, the lay people will say, how do you pick a good doctor? How do you know? I'm gonna go on Yelp, terrible. Terrible. I meant to ask, talk to Nina Shapiro about this. She had a whole chapter in her book, Hype, about why online physician ratings are total fucking bullshit. Because all they are is the best and the worst. So it's a person who's the most happy, who yeah. got a ton of narcotics, yeah. and then the person who's like, you know, you killed, you killed my child. Uh, you also got to remember that patients uh, don't know how to rate a doctor. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That, like if I go in there and I'm like, Politeness here's the thing, Z Dog MD. My back hurt because uh, I do manual labor. This this man's work, all right. And uh, I'm pronounced gonna, Manuel. I'm gonna need 200 opioids. Uh, give them to me. And then you're like, hey, sounds like you have a tough go. Here's some opioids, right? <laughs> then I'm gonna be like, God five. damn it, that doctor, he gets it. Five out of five. He gets it, boy. <laughs> uh, but you know, we all kind of understand that these rating sites are bullshit. So how do patients pick doctors? You yeah. gotta ha know a doctor who knows a doctor. We should have a site where it's docs write docs. Oh, I, yeah. I told you about my idea for a doc on doc dating app called doc.goose. Yes. Maybe we should make doc.goose <laughs> the doc on doc rating site. But the problem is, you know, they're gonna game it. Like, cause you know, like Bupinder is gonna be like, hey buddy, uh, you know, we play golf. I got you some tickets. How about you give me a five? Okay, buddy, but you got to give me a six. But it only goes to five. I want a six. I heard I had an amazing idea for a dating site where it's, um, you know, you know how Netflix does. Are you still watching? You know. Yeah. This will be like, hey, we noticed you're watching a lot of X. So is Chandra, and <laughs> she's in your city. <laughs> so you can bond over you your love of The Office, and then you guys can literally net oh. Netflix and chill. Oh. It, Oh, Ka Kathleen Kappa says, as a medical professional, how do you tell someone where not to go? 
Mm. Yeah. So this is tough. This Z, is tough. Z does it like this. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I've heard things. Well, with Tom, I'm just like, don't go to him. He's a butcher. <laughs> uh, but with patients, I'm all, I usually say, yeah, you know, they're a doctor in town. Uh, I really have had good experiences with X. You have to give them an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not so much bad mouthing the other clinician. It's more well, you know, my experience is with so-and-so. Totally. I really like totally. so-and-so. Uh, Pam Ann says, LOL, Doc, Doc, Goose. I think it's a thing. Yeah. Personally. I like what, it. What do I know? We could marry it with my Duck Dynasty toddler edition called Duck, Duck Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kids the kids version. I love yeah. that. Duck, Duck just Dynasty. A bunch, they're a bunch of four-year-olds being like, I don't think the gays should get married. <laughs> <laughs> is the Duck Dynasty guy, are they the Duggars? No, no, no this is different. I get very different. confused with the all Duggers these Duggars were the people who had a bunch of kids and then one of the kids oh, right, molested yeah. a bunch That's of the right. other kids. That's right. That's yeah. right. So one of the Z Packers apparently sent me a message saying they know they live down the street from the Duggars. Mm. And everything you've heard about them is only a tenth of the tip of, of the course. iceberg of how incredibly intellectually disabled they are. Can I tell you, I, I used to live down the street from the Duggars about 45 minutes down the street because I lived in the next town over. Oh. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up in Arkansas, like there in Arkansas, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that have 10 kids. Like it's mm. not like one, I don't right. know what it is about Arkansas, mm. but man, I had multiple, I would just blend in at other people's homes because it was like, no hey, is that, is that the 11th kid? Like, <laughs> but I'd just be over there for dinner or whatever, you know? I, I, I probably had five or six family friends who had 10 person families. So that's great. Cause you, you could know? just slip in under the radar because right. you were generally neglected as a child. What I'm saying is the Duggars are only uh they're yeah. only a 20 person family. So right. they're only statistically out of the norm. You know, it's only a two X like, wow. I mean, and it's a bell curve there. So maybe they're not even two X, maybe, <laughs> maybe the distribution, they're really just more in the 80th percentile. Um, let's see. I had a, I had a nurse say, Melissa, uh, a bikey Rick uh, said, that's an interesting hyphenated last name. Um, I had a nurse say, I would not blame you if you get a second opinion. Are you listening to me? I would not blame you at all for getting a second opinion <laughs> and away I drove to a different ED. Yeah, of course. See, that's, nurses that's a classic know. Nurses know, that's yeah. That's a classic one. Yeah. Nurses can be a little more, like nurses will give you that look like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Whereas doctors are like, hey, I don't got time for this, buddy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making every doctor an international medical grad like my parents. But see, when I used to, so I used to work in Fremont, uh, California, which is across the bay from Stanford. Right. At a hospital called Washington Hospital. And it, this is a great, this is why I have experience in both an, a high tertiary academic Stanford Center and then Washington Hospital, which was community hospital staffed by community docs, outpatient docs, et cetera. And they had their own hospitalists and they were great. And so they were really good at bread and butter stuff, really, really good. But if things got very complicated, we would basically transfer the patient to ourselves at Stanford because next week we'd be at Stanford because we'd rotate. Mm -hmm. And um, so you kind of knew who were, and it was true at Stanford too, but you knew who the 007s, the license to kills were, and you knew who you would trust. And so the way I would do it, it was a similar thing. Like, you know, I tell the patients, you know, I know you're seeing doctor, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, sometimes it's good it's never a bad idea to get a second opinion. And yeah. I have a guy at Stanford who I think is great. You can always go there, just tell him I sent you and, uh, and, and so on. And so we kind of fudge it that way. Let me ask you this question, because you know, I don't know. What uh, causes that person to become a 007? Is it largely incompetence? Is it incompetence plus malice? Is it straight <laughs> malice? Mm. Like what is, are they billing in a, in a way such that problems arise? You know, Tom, everybody is incompetent in their own way. <laughs> and I can't speak for all of them in one fell swoop, but I'll say this, all those can be true. The most common 
reason I think for doctors, in my experience, not being great is they just were never that driven or engaged in this in the first place. So in other words, they went in, their parents pushed them into it, whatever it was, and they just don't have, it's, it's hard to be a doctor, it's hard to get into medical school, but it's not that hard. Yeah, and so if you can get through, you go to the Caribbean. yeah, you have well, you have you even have U.S. medical schools. I mean, you can cruise through without learning a whole bunch, actually. And we had a saying at UCSF, and this was one of the top schools in the country at the time. I don't know where it is now. I hope it's still one of the top schools. Otherwise, it feels weird to say I went to UCSF because mm-hmm. I'm arrogant that way. Uh, we used to say P equals MD. So we were pass fail. So if you could just pass the first two years, you were going to get an MD. So you could be the last in your class, and no, you're. Patient, what do we call the last in your class in medical school? Doctor. Yeah. So there is a component That's funny that. too, because we used to have a saying, it was uh, no P equals VD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you took Just it to the, the next- At yeah. the frat house. That was at the frat house, the which frat you house. weren't a member of, because <laughs> you were too white even to be in a frat. <laughs> they wouldn't take well, you. I, you know, I would have been in a frat, but here in Vegas where I- Not a big thing. I went to art school in Chicago and then I transferred back here to UNLV in Las Vegas and uh, neither of those places had Greek communities. Big and Greek it, well, community. I mean, there was, but if you were part of it, you were kind of the loser, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, you're like, the only place that'll take me is like the frat house. Right, right. whereas in the South, if you're not in one of the frats of the sororities, then then you're yeah, not you're cool. Kind of, yeah. yeah, at Berkeley, it was like, only the weirdos were in the frats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had something called Frat Row. It was all the houses. Uh-huh. And they were the oldest, most beautiful houses there, but they were filled with the biggest idiots. You're just yeah, like, totally. oh, God, what? It's just a bunch of dudes who can't admit they're gay. You know, they're just <laughs> like, hey, dude, let's do this thing where you shove the thing up my butt yeah, as a joke, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they... <laughs> So once I went to a frat party in college in Berkeley and we show up, every single person there is Korean. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell? I thought this was a frat. And I was so I was so biased. I just assumed everyone in frats were white. And uh, I show up and everybody there is Korean. And they were like, you know, and this was the thing, Berkeley in the 90s was this very fractured, everybody had their identity yeah. and you just congregated with your own. So the Indians were here and the Koreans were here and the Asians were here and the Christians were here. And the young Republicans, which were the biggest group at Berkeley, were here. And here I am, this Zoroastrian kid, doesn't look Indian, doesn't look white, kind of looks Jewish. I don't know who to fit in with. So I just found some weird friends and we got a house together after the dorms, right? So we go to this Korean party and, and we were looked at, cause someone was like, oh, you gotta come. And I, then I made the, I connected the dots. The person who invited me was Korean. And I'm like, how did I not make this? So me and my three white buddies walk in, hey guys, we're ready to, huh? And everyone's just sitting there with books and <laughs> sipping beer casually, kind of chatting. I'm like, what is this? It was a real culture shock. And I actually felt, felt more at home there actually, except for the looks I kept getting. By the way, Asians are the most racist people in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just so you yeah. understand that. Indians no, no, are talk. terribly racist. Mm-hmm. Koreans are racist. Japanese are racist. Asians are the most racist against other, other Asians. Other Asians, yeah, yeah. The Asian hierarchy is a real thing. We have a friend who's uh, Japanese. And oh, any, the top any, of the hierarchy. Anytime you get him going, he'll just be like, fucking Chinese, fucking <laughs> Really? Yeah, oh my God. Wow. And I'm like, dude, you grew up here in South LA. Like, what are you talking dude, about? <laughs> You're not even... <laughs> my, my wife's parents were Chinese. Uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan yeah. will not, they've traveled all around the world. They will not go to Japan because they consider the Japanese to be a murderous race of <laughs> evil thugs uh, and cavemen. I mean, it, it's it's straight 
it's a mix of nationalism, racism, some weird phrenology. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're still judging people the size of your head. Can I tell you something? I just don't. I straight up don't understand racism. Tell I, me, tell me, tell me why not? I just don't get it. Like mm. everybody's. Well, okay, maybe this is a conservative ideal where I get to the center right part of the show, mm. but I just I treat everyone as an individual. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And most of you, I'm like, dumbass, dumbass, actually, dumbass, you know, right? It doesn't matter if you're black or white; you're still a dumbass to me. You the, know, what the, I'm the, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Uh, this is true about you. When I met you too, I knew this right away. Like you don't care about who somebody is in terms of race, color, appearance. You care about how they behave. Right. And, but but you're vicious, like merciless. So like if you behave in any way that's just dumb, you, you, you're done with Tom Heineberg. This is true. Although yeah. I have become, you know, more sensitive to the uh, systemic challenges. <laughs> the A little more alt-left. Alt sort of the cultural yes. argument around yeah. it. You know, yeah. I, think, I think especially... I think especially with black people, black people got uh, dealt a really, you know, raw deal in this country because we didn't fully, we didn't, we never fully made slavery right. Right. right? Like yeah. we, we never absolved ourselves of it. No, in and fact, it's, we, it's doubled, we kind original. of doubled down a yeah, little. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else who comes here, I'm like, listen, that's the meat grinder. You go through the American meat grinder like everybody else with your family structure intact. Mm. And when you have your family structure intact, you have a chance to prevail on the other side. But when you break apart the families and cause everybody to scatter, you know, and mm. fend for themselves, you're not going to have, you're not going to see the same um, level of success going forward, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we did it. Chinese people super wrong in this country. Mm. We did Irish people super yeah, wrong did. in this yeah. country. Mm -hmm. You know, Indian people have been done wrong historically. Ish. Remember that guy, the Sikh guy who got oh, shot got after 9-11? Yeah, that was bullshit. Yeah, like everybody yeah. gets something in the American meat grinder. Right. And Indians are pretty good about hiding. They're just like, I don't know, we're over here again. Yeah, who? Hey. Right, right, right. Hey. <laughs> Except for Bobby Jindal. Yeah, exactly. He tries to, he's just like straight up white. Yeah. Yeah. I But, you know, like, okay, I'm set of right on the show, but I would actually be for reparations. Interesting, hundred uh, yeah. percent. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We should talk. We should do another episode on just those things, and we should get a guest and talk about it because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, Adrian Jasky says Japanese, if not born in Japan, are considered to be impure and not fully Japanese. Gaijin, very xenophobic. Now, so the Japanese culture is interesting because one of my favorite authors, is this guy Haruki Murakami. Don't judge me. Okay, for reading Tom Heineberg, and because I could see I could see the judgment beginning. I could see Tom going, oh, I can't believe he reads fiction by a Japanese author. Um, so Murakami is a kind of famous author in Japan, and actually quite prominent in the West because his stuff has been translated from the early days. Wind yeah. Up Bird Chronicle, uh, Kafka on the Shore. Recently, I just read uh, Killing Commendatory, which is a great book. So he's fascinating because he was born in Japan, raised in Japan. He's a boomer. He left, lived around the world really absorbed a lot of American culture, went back and started writing. The way he would write is he would write in English and then translate it back into Japanese. And what he found is because his English wasn't good, it gave him a, a style that was very straightforward. He didn't waste words. It was just, this is what I want to say. And it has, it's magical realism. So there's a lot of weird stuff happens in the books, yeah. a lot of weird Freudian, Jungian archetypes. So Long story short, he became kind of known for dredging up Japanese history in World War II and putting it in his books in a way that was not uh, complementary to the, the sort of Japanese narrative. Right. And so he, it, I remember in uh, the Wind Up Bird Chronicle, he has this whole scene where his protagonist has this vision of being in Manchuria 
and like, you know, these torturing these Chinese people to death and skinning them alive and then sitting in a well and this crazy shit. Yeah. And he got a lot of pushback for that. But it's interesting because I think there is a coming to terms with a collective uh, unconscious trauma of World War II that's starting to happen. So I don't, I don't know how xenophobic they are. I, and again, this is not a judgy thing. It's just an observational thing. I think it's true across Asian cultures. They're pretty racist. There was a <laughs> lot of, there was also a lot of racism uh, from our side during World War II. Oh, uh, unbelievable amounts. We were- uh, The term Jap. We were incredibly yeah. racist against the Japanese. In fact, so much so that they made propaganda films um, that they showed to the soldiers. And you know, big Hollywood directors made these films like Frank Capra who did It's a Wonderful Life. He made a film where he showed that the Japanese, or it, you know, he was saying that the Japanese were like a hive mind and that mm. they basically acted like the Borg. Wow. And that they had no individuality and they couldn't think for themselves. And People accuse the Chinese of that now. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. You know, and actually, in, in all truth, Asian Eastern traditions have a higher value on the collective than on the individual. And that includes yeah. the spiritual traditions, right? It's all about losing the self and connecting with the one consciousness and that kind of thing. Well, this is why I think um, some of the policies of the far left, especially nowadays, like really get to me is because America is all about the individual. And that that is what has made America the city on the hill that it has been for so long. That's correct. It's yeah. enlightenment enlightenment ideals of individual versus, you know, the, the absorption into the collective. Yeah. But what's interesting is, and again, because I think part of the reason we do this alt-center show is we like to ridicule both extremes of the, of the political spectrum. Totally. So this has been a gr one of the great driving engines of change in the, in the world has been this enlightenment ideal of individualism. And it's really codified in the constitution in the bill of rights in the capitalist sort of orange meme of like accomplishment meritocracy. And it's been a wonderful engine for pulling people out of poverty, for increasing our standard of living. Yeah, there've been environmental costs. Yeah, there've been, uh, there's still racial tension and, and inequity and increasing inequity. So, but on the downside of that comes the shadow side of that as it reaches its apex, which is increasing suicide rates, drug addiction rates and misery because this accomplishment mindset and this individual mindset makes us lose sight of the fact that we are also part of a larger whole. And so there's a balance that we've been out Did of. Did you see the thing about the, the Attorney General of Massachusetts wants to charge the Sackler family? I haven't uh, seen this. Oh, the, are they the Oxycontin Purdue, people? Purdue Farmer, yeah. yeah. They, they want to charge the family because they're like, you knew and you know uh, what you did. Interesting. And you did it anyway. We know what you did last summer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of interesting. And you know what? I hope they get fucking taken down because what they did in my mind is highly illegal, mm. but they were able to do it in a legal manner. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, I, I I don't know enough about them specifically, but I know that somebody, need, there needs to be accountability for what happened with that. Yeah. Because that is again, an example of like, these individuals wanna enrich themselves at the expense of the collective. Right. There is a balance. You use the term tragedy of the commons, which is the classic uh, teaching. Like there's things that are commonly, look, look, even in, um, when you talk about, you know, uh, these people, I mean, they stole, they stole power from, from your profession as well, because doctors are seen as less trustworthy after the yeah. opioid crisis yeah. than they were before the opioid crisis. Yeah. Yeah. You know? By the way, Dana Velling says, uh, how do you think the Germans feel? They're the bad guys in every movie. Yeah. <laughs> they deserve it. They deserve it. Except for run Lola run, which was in fact a German movie. Um, <laughs> Let's see, uh, Jamie Stewart, uh, the left has moved to the center, the center to the right, as the right moved further right. Look at the actual platforms now versus the 70s and 80s. I'm not sure, Jamie, maybe that's true. The 70s was a pretty collectivist 
mentality. But I don't know if things have moved so much to the right. I think that's, yeah. I think it's, it's just split polarized. You know, you have a left and a right that's more extreme. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I don't I don't know, know about this. My, part of my reason why I, I spend so much time focused on the far left is because I think largely the far right has been um, has been garrisoned. Like we haven't exterminated the ideologies on the far right, like mm. that you should have eugenics or that you know mm. it's okay to discriminate based on race. That's over there for sure. But mm. like we've tried to isolate it. I mean, you can't you can't come out and say the N word in a public debate anymore right. and be taken taken seriously. You probably could have thirty years ago, and so the far right was dominating at that time. So you know what's interesting about that is I hear friends on the left who will say, "No, that's not true. Look what's happening with the upsurge in hate crimes under Trump, and so on and so forth." This is people watching the. This is people watching two movies because you know yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody what the account is, but I've created an anti-vaxxer <laughs> Twitter account, and it's my plan to become one of their thought leaders over the next six months. You're going to so succeed. I'm going to start tweeting just random crap and uh, fake science articles and things. And you know what? We'll link back to this video, like where I'm telling you that I'm doing this. Um, but I'm I'm definitely going to become one of their thought leaders, 100. percent But mm. in signing up and following all these these people, I've been seeing you know the far left side of of the equation. I've been watching the two movie thing play out, and mm. it's just like living in two completely separate realities. Agree. You know, if I if I went on this uh, anti-vax Twitter account every day, I would be like, oh my god, you know, uh, black people are being lynched in the streets, and right. gay people are being lynched in the streets, right. and trans people are being lynched in the street. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. And if I went on the far right side, uh, which is more like my Bitcoin Twitter I go on, <laughs> <laughs> some of that far rightness percolates into the libertarian circles, yeah. and uh, I see it's like, you know, they're trying to destroy masculinity, and yeah. they're trying to take our jobs and, you know <laughs> you know it's it's it, if it weren't so tragic it'd be hilarious it is right? hilarious yeah, it is funny it is hilarious. so you know it's like bob bob rudd here says politically the u.s has not been this polarized since our civil war now i don't know if that's true but i'll say this there's it a feels true it feels polarized it feels true. and height and others have said since the fall of the cold war we don't have a common enemy right so we've kind of devolved into a tribalism and and it is it's a nature of humans because we have these different moral matrices you know left and right to want to confirm our biases, to only listen to the news that supports what we say. And we'll pick out, just like with anti-vaxxers, you can tell them this measles outbreak. All right, uh, it's terrible, it's killing kids, or it's gonna kill kids, it's a, it's a nightmare, it needs to stop. Well, what they hear from that is, this is another made up thing mm -hmm. that the medical industrial complex wants you to control your kids with injections and vaccine injuries are real and so on. And, uh, and, and, and so they'll pull out of it what they want. And it's the same with the left and the right. So if the left hears the same statistic as the right, they're gonna interpret it totally differently. Yeah. Uh, so our job, I think, on this show is to show that there still is a center and that you can talk about anything and still be civil. And also that uh, we should work on understanding the other side's point. You can draw a lot of this, I think, back to uh, crony capitalism and how the elites have, have failed uh, everyone, basically. Tell because, me about that. Okay, think about, like, there's a documentary that just came out about uh, Teflon and how DuPont knew that they were basically poisoning the American populace, and yet they did it anyway. And mm. so if the government is in bed with DuPont because they're getting tax money and they're failing to regulate, which is their only job, mm. then how would you not think that the government was inherently evil and they were in on it? 
mm-hmm. right? That right. I would if I didn't know how things actually worked. I still think it kind of is that way. Oh, there's a part you of it. You just can't sure. say it explicitly. This is this is why, you know, it's and this happens all over the map. Right. That you know, the, the big corporations are in bed with big government and big government doesn't do their job and regulate the way they're supposed to. So of course, if I was re- recalcitrant, uh <laughs> I would I would think to myself, I would be like, listen, they're trying to poison my child. Brain control is real. You know, the earth is flat. Like, I, yeah. I, Paul McCartney was, yeah. d- they killed Paul McCartney and they replaced him with a fake Paul McCartney. Okay. The problem just is- look at the Abbey Road cover, man. I'm just saying. Dude, that guy is a robot. I'm <laughs> telling you. He's dead. Paul is dead. John said it. Uh, but this is the thing, like, because there's truth on all these sides. So it just depends on how what, how much of that truth you want to double down on and, and ignore other truth. Yeah. You know, like people in the comments are saying things like, you know, the right has definitely moved further right and this and this and this. But I'd say the left has moved The left has moved further way, further, left. way further left. They it, both have moved further. They both move further. And so being in the center feels a ra- like a radical position. I think that's the part, the point of this show is to basically be like, okay, listen, the right, the far right and the far left have moved so far that they're basically over here yeah. butt-fucking each other, okay? <laughs> and us rational people, we're left behind, and we're here. We're here. So we are as far from them as we possibly can be, mm-hmm. okay? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, first of all, I want to call you out, because I'm a believer in call-out culture and for outrage culture, for saying butt-fucking. Butt because what it implies <laughs> is that you don't like gay people. Okay. Straight people can butt-fuck. Everyone can butt-fuck, see? Okay, now I need my uh, my trigger warning for that because this is know. my platform. I'm gonna get behind it. Unite the country. Unite the country that we should all be able to butt fuck. Everyone can yeah. butt fuck. Okay, yeah. that's good. I can get behind that. <laughs> all right. Uh, but think think about that point though. <laughs> really though. We, By the way, Laura says robot fake Paul McCartney is the truth. It's the Just truth. So you know that. Yeah. Go on. Uh, we are as far away from the if you're center center right or left, right? You're, you are farther away from your fringe side than you are from the center. Right. Yeah. The right or the center left. You know what I mean? Like you and I are closer together on most things. I fucking hate people on the far right. Like I despise them. Mm. I hope they all kill themselves. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, no, no. Now I'm triggered. Because the far, the suicide prevention time. The far right is. Logan, put up the suicide hotline. The far right is authoritarian and they're racist and they're sexist and they're, you know, they're everything but classes because they tend to be very poor because right. uh, <laughs> that ideology gets you fucking nowhere in this life. <laughs> but equally, I hate the center left. I don't want to kill them. I just want to... The know, center left? Send the far them, left. The far left, yeah. sorry. I, I just want to send them to Mars or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, get them really far away like from Like Matt me. Damon? Yeah. Forget them conveniently mm-hmm. there? Yeah. I'm with you, dude. I'm actually with you on all the extremes. Uh, being center left, I the far left makes me ill. Uh, it should. It, you know, the, and this thing, because all... And it's going to devolve into communism. Uh, eventually well if they get power yeah if they get power but then what will happen is they'll realize like every other communist country that communism doesn't work it's contrary to human nature look 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 look. let's go back to this we're not going to realize that though until a lot of people die yes you know what i mean yeah no i I, and and here's the thing it doesn't even affect me i'll say this patently because i have money i can move i have social mobility i can move out of this country i can buy citizenship elsewhere i'll come back when everything is on sale and buy it up on the cheap like if you want to institute communism Go for it. I, mm. I'm i going to leave. The, 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 this is what I think. I think com- it's, it's the, the Ayn Rand thing. The communists and the Ayn Rand people are both, their extremes on the individualism versus collectivism, which we were talking about in the beginning. Yeah. This idea of, you know, so 
when Ken Wilber and these other guys talk about holons and holacracy and, and, and holarchies, they're really talking about everybody is both a whole in themselves and a part of a bigger whole. And they're always striving, each holon, so you're a holon, I'm a holon made up of smaller holons, which are all in, in, in a fractal pattern all the way up and down. We're all striving with a tension between autonomy and individualism and being part of this bigger holon. Mm -hmm. And the truth is the people who are the most successful strike that balance. Communism is, is a perversion towards the entire collectivism. And it, it, it's, it's contrary to 50% of what we're, we are. This is what the fucking center-right show is all about, Z-Dog MD. <laughs> because no, really, the right are, are individualists and the left are collectivists. Right. And meeting in the middle is fucking America. That's, that's America. That's, that's America. How, that's how we make shit work. That's where you get goosebumps you know I mean? about America. Yeah. You know, like when we went to Texas and we saw those immigrant physicians doing their shit. Yeah. This is what we saw. We saw the individual who came from a country where, and I'll tell you what India was like back then when they when they moved, because it was that way for my parents. Bureaucratic, full of red tape. You cannot progress if you're in the wrong caste. You are fucked yeah. from the minute you're born. Not to mention poor, disease-filled, dirty, Everything. overcrowded. Terrible infrastructure. Yeah. Now that's changing. That's changing slowly and surely. But they come to America, what happens? So the same person, they thrive because they show their individualism and they're able to excel through hard work, dedication, and just busting their ass. And then the collective component of that is they give back to the community. Right. They give back to the Indian community. They send money back home. They are part of the country club over there where they're part of you know white culture yeah. in addition to me. And it was a beautiful transcendent thing that screams America on every single level. No, it makes you literally wanna cry when you yeah. see somebody who's, who's juicing the American apple for every drop it's got <laughs> in it. You know what I mean? Like that makes me wanna cry. It's, it's like, a, yes, thank, thank you for being a good citizen rather than somebody who was fucking born here, lives in their mother's basement, mm -hmm. plays video games all day. And mm -hmm. it's just like, I can't get ahead, man. Elizabeth Warren said so, man. And, and and I think by that, we're really referring to Jacob Dylan of the Wallflowers. Yes. Because that song came on this morning and Logan fast forwarded it. And I'm like, Logan, why did you do that? I mean, you know, you, you can drive it home <laughs> with one headlight. I just really wanted to do that. Yeah, I really yeah. did. Not a big, not a big Jacob Dylan fan. You know what? No, who is? I like Bob though. Bob is awesome. Bob is my man. You know the best Bob Dylan song, and you cannot argue with me. I'll fight you. Is the man in me will do. That's a good one. Nearly any task and ask for compensation. <laughs> There's, There's a little, little he would ask. Take <laughs> a woman like your kind to, to find. find. The, the man, man in, in me. me. I like the hurricane. That's my favorite That's one. That's a great song. Yeah. That's a great Although song. Although the hurricane actually probably murdered those people. Like, <laughs> seems like he kind of did when we look at the evidence after the fact, you know? No comment. Reuben Carter. Reuben Carter was falsely tried. The crime was murder one. Guess who testified? <laughs> Bello and Bradley and both all they lied. <laughs> Don't forget the jury was white. Oh, Risa Dubois, quote, juicing the American apple. That's what we're doing. And you know what? You know how we feel about juicing on this show. It's bullshit. <laughs> I tell you, I got stopped in Costco the other day because I was buying like uh, the nasty vegetable juices. Oh, yeah. yeah. Where, uh, you know, the, it's just all vegetable. Yeah, yeah. And the woman next to me is like, hi, that's good. And I was like, no, they're <laughs> disgusting. And she's like, then why do you buy them? And I was like, because they're healthy. And she's like, I think. Do they taste good? I was like, they taste like pure garbage, like from the bottom of a lawnmower. And she was like, okay. And then I saw her pick them up and put them back down and get the <laughs> apple juice. 
<laughs> Anything that's good for you, Tom Heinberg, tastes like fucking shit. <laughs> it does. We know but just, this. Like, pound it down, man. Yeah, I, look, I, I can take my medicine. How do you feel about apple cider vinegar? ACV. <laughs> oh, the notorious ACV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fool. I know about apple cider vinegar. What you want? What you want? Now, give me this mic. Let me tell you about Listen, apple cider vinegar. Listen, I've been taking some apple cider vinegar for no reason. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> told me it was healthy. And I was like, all right. It's just amazing to me, you know, that people just miss, not you, but, well, maybe you too, misunderstand uh, acid-based physiology. That yeah. there's this thing called the Henderson-Hasselbalch equation. We have buffers in our blood that alter our pH. So taking a bunch of acid, I mean, it may alter your stomach pH transiently, but not really, mate. I think you're supposed to take it, though, because it has the mother's Oh, I, I have that. Do, do I have that about, same vinegar. Do you know about the, the mother? mother? The I know mother? about the mother. And in fact, oh, oh, so listen to this. So, okay, okay. This is a good story. Not really, but my wife sends me on a grocery run because I'm her bitch. Yeah. And because she's going to make this amazing, you know, pork roast, whatever. Where me and Z live uh, right next to each other and we shop at the same grocery store. We see store. each other. So like, sometimes I see Z and I'm like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He doing it. <laughs> he, get, he getting those whatevers. He's always in the ethnic food aisle. How dare you? It's true, though. Yeah, that's so racist. It's also true. I'm always in the... What do they call the ethnic food aisle nowadays? The oh, they multicultural call it, aisle? Oh, fuck. They call it um, Asian and world, Mexican food. World cuisine. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, they need a euphemism for it. <laughs> right? Remember, it just used to be ethnic food. Right. All the way up until the 90s. I remember that. It was ethnic food. It's still ethnic food in some grocery yeah, stores. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they should call it like the alt-cuisine line but but so so she sends me on she says she types up this is how she sends me lists she texts me a big run-on sentence so i have to dig through all this shit figure yeah. out mate did i get this did i get that can't cross shit out on a text <laughs> so it says apple cider vinegar uh unfiltered yeah and with, i read with the mother with the mother with the mother but actually no so it wasn't vinegar it was apple cider unfiltered but uh. i read it as apple cider vinegar <laughs> so i grabbed the mother apple cider vinegar and there's a chick on the cover of this thing it with a ponytail. And I'm like, who's this bitch? I read the thing and it says, uh, da, 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 ND, which is naturopathic doctor. And apparently she sells this stuff as some kind of naturopathic cure. Uh -huh. And I was like, do I buy, do I give this woman money? But my <laughs> wife told me to get unfiltered apple cider vinegar and there's only one, there's no other. So I'm gonna bring it home. So I go home with this shit and I'm like, check it out. The mother is on this and that. And she goes, Bitch, I told you apple cider. I'm like, no, you didn't. I look up the text, it's like apple cider, unfiltered. Shit, I had to go right back. You know, it's funny. Every time I go to the uh, supermarket for my wife, I buy a three to five of whatever she asked. So <laughs> she'll be like, we need Himalayan sea salt. And I'll be like, okay, there's five of those. I'm just going to buy all of them. They're $3 each, that's $15 on salt. Okay. And then the next item will be like, we need, uh, you know, I'm looking for cinnamon bread. And I'm like, okay, well, there's cinnamon raisin bread. And this one says cinnamon chocolate swirl. I'm just going to buy them all. Okay, that's $9 on bread. And then my grocery bill is always like $300 when it should have been like $82. Right. You know? I think you told me one time, like your monthly grocery bill is something like $20,000. Something. No, no, no. Yearly, we spend $20,000 on food. Oh, got it. But it's because we just do Postmates all the time. And yeah. we, we eat out for like almost every almost meal. Almost every meal. Yeah. yeah. It's one of our chief and it, it, it's, it's it's truly insane how much I spend on food. It's 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 funny. So Kathleen Raposo says it's called the International Food Aisle, and then others say the Asian and Hispanic food is what is in their supermarket. So here's the thing. Speaking of that, 
So, um, what if you want different types of cuisine? I don't know, man. You, know? you only need one type of cuisine. That's fool. Right. Uh, I, I did a talk a few years back at this thing called Success Summit. Me point L. And it was in Boulder, Colorado. It was a bunch of new age hippies. Talking oh, that's about, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but it was led by John Mackey, the CEO of uh, Whole, Whole Foods. Foods. That's right. And he, despite his sort of image as this new age guy, is a vicious capitalist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah. Like, Randian level. That's why everything at Whole Foods costs like $22. Bingo. You know? And so, he, he's hosting the conference. So, I go up and I do my bit about By the how, way, you, you know, it's a half foods now because uh, Jeff Bezos getting divorced. <gasps> oh. Yeah. That's good. Burn. Half a burn. Half foods. Facial. <laughs> Disgraceful. You got moated. Uh, so, so Mackie does his talk. Then I go up and I do my talk and it's all the hippies are listening. And, and, and I'm like, oh, how 3.0. And I made a joke. I had my dad make a joke on the fly. I made this up where he's like, look, buddy, he's talking to me, giving me career advice. And he's like, you want to do primary care? You're an idiot. You're going to be broke. Okay. You know what? You want a real career? I went the other day to Whole Foods. I bought three items, $80. <laughs> That's a good job. <laughs> and and Mackie's sitting right in the front and he's staring daggers at me. The audience goes crazy. They start laughing. I get down. He goes up. Where's Zubin at? I'm, I'm sitting like somewhere in the back. Hey, John Mackie. Wow. Famous. He looks at me and he goes, yeah, we're going to put you doctors out of business. We spend like 5% of our dollars on food. It ought to be 25%. And we could <laughs> we could put you guys out of business. And then the audience goes crazy. And I'm like... That's a goddamn lie. Okay, you still mean, need me to take your appendix out when you when that shit bursts. All right, and I'm all I'm thinking. Little tears are starting to form in my eyes. I'm like, John Mackey's making fun of me. Every food documentary starts with that same goddamn quote from I know, Hippocrates. Right? Where oh, it's right. like, let food be thy medicine. Let food be thy medicine. When medicine won't be thy medicine, let food be thy medicine. And he should. Well, the quote should be, Hey. It's Rome in like the year whatever the fuck, and I have no idea. We all die from some crazy <laughs> shit right. all the time. You know, I listen. I agree a hundred percent with. We that. don't have penicillin here, man. I, I agree a hundred percent with that statement. Assuming that diltiazem is a food, amiodarone is a dessert, and Lasix is a freaking appetizer. All right, if that's the case, then let food be that medicine. I say let medicine be that medicine. <laughs> Why you got to make so much sense, Tom? You know, the, you, when are we going to get to the the world where uh, we have personalized diets for individuals? Oh, we, we can't get there soon enough. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Because everybody's like, "It's one diet for everybody. It's vegan, or it's you know paleo, or and it's are, carnivore." And are we going to discover that it's really not about uh, dieting at all, but it's about time restricted eating and getting in touch with our evolutionary self and allowing hunger to be, you know, there's this whole thing where you're not supposed to be hungry. Oh, that's horseshit. And yeah. Yeah. Hunger is fantastic. I've been, you know, I've been doing keto again, like, cause I always go on and off of keto. That's true. Because if you want to drop a bunch of weight quick, keto is the jam. Although keto is not the jam because you can't eat jam on keto. But the thing is, see, see, <laughs> this is the thing. You kind of do keto kind of ketarded. Yes. Like it's, it, it, you're not full ketard. You're just, you know. No, no, that's that's lazy keto. I'm, yeah. I'm not doing lazy keto right now. I'm doing full, doing keto, full keto, which is brutal because, uh, you know, you, you have to eat under 15, I know, I did 15 for, grams of carbs. I did it for eight months. Yeah. 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 It's really hard. I lost hella weight. I got a six pack of abs. Mm -hmm. I felt pretty good, but I was miserable and then I couldn't eat what I liked and I felt restricted. I couldn't 
eat with my family properly, and then my lipids went cuckoo. You can't really eat out either because you know what I found? You have to eat like a lot of like lettuce yeah, wrap type yeah, sandwiches. Yeah, and you're increasing your risk of E. coli, e. coli. basically <laughs> every time you do. Every time I I have one of these lettuce wraps, yeah. I end up getting violently ill. It's because it was picked using, you know, fertilized using night soil somewhere in Mexico. Right, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's not. It's usually the U.S. products that are tainted <laughs> because Logan probably goes out into the fields at night and takes a dump. There are a whole bunch of people, though, that think that they can uh, just use nutrition to basically live forever. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing is, like, nutrition is so great. It's so great all the way up until you have a real fucking problem. It was like Steve Jobs. Like Steve Jobs right. got pancreatic cancer and then he went on like a fruititarian diet or whatever. That's so retarded. Mm, it's a bad idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think knowing when to... <laughs> like it's magical thinking because they're like, I can just eat apples and then I'll be cancer free because apples cure cancer. And it's like, they don't do shit. They're Listen, just apples, man. You know, it's like I tell people, if you ever saw that G.I. Joe episode where there was a huge monster that was like an amoeba and they yeah. needed to kill it, they they lured it over an apple orchard. And it ended it has up, cyanide. And it has cyanide yeah. in the in the seeds and the apple. And I'm like, you know what? Knowing is half the battle, bitch. I just killed that amoeba G.I. <laughs> Joe style. Um, Carol Sanders uh, loves keto, has been doing it for type 2 diabetes and chronic pain, and it helps with flares. So there are a lot of people for whom it's really, really good because it yeah. does reduce inflammation in a lot of people. Their CRP, their ESR, they drop really low. It's a really hard diet to do. It's a hard to diet stick to do. To. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really hard. You have to have a lot of discipline. This, this, okay, this was my story. I was chubby. I was, I was getting older. I was like, I'm never going to get rid of this gut. And now mm -hmm. I'm getting older and I love to eat. Food is my favorite thing. How do I eat as much as I want to be full and still not be fat? And I was like, I heard about this keto thing and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. You know, and it was a few years ago and, and it worked, but then it, what it really did was give me the discipline, the ability to go, you know what? I can actually, I can actually take charge of what I eat and still be happy. So then doing intermittent fasting with a Mediterranean diet, eating one meal a day, watching the extraneous carbs, that works great. And yeah. I had the discipline, but it took, it took a long time on keto to get that discipline. I've been always a uh, binge disciplinarian. Yeah. Where I'm like, you <laughs> That's know, true. For, for three months, nothing non-keto will enter my mouth. And then after that three months, nothing keto will enter my mouth. You know, like, <laughs> right, right, right. I've seen I, that. I like yo-yo back and forth. Yeah, it's, you're like the yo-yo ma of um, white people. I don't know what that means. Nutrition can make your life better. I stopped eating mammals after our DNA history was completed in 2015 and my arthritis went away. Sialic acid matters, Linus Hollis. I know nothing about that, but I will yeah. say, uh, look, you find the diet that's right for you. Um, Andy Loind. It's the need to believe that your way is the way because you have to believe that it is, lest the cognitive dissonance send you scrambling. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know- uh, That's why Andy's our- <laughs> our executive producer. <laughs> Every everything is just replacing religion because we, mm. we are now so secular as yeah. we, we nutrition's have nutrition's a religion. Yeah, nutrition's a religion, politics is a religion, mm -hmm. uh cultural identity is a religion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your bank account is a religion for some people. Like you're just replacing religion. Now now one thing, so I uh, yeah, you're right. A bunch of false idols, as they say in the Bible. <laughs> as they say in the Bible. Uh -huh. You know, my what if my kid was asking me about the Bible the other day? Yeah. And I'm like, read that shit. See what, see what you think. You think Harry Potter's a trip, girl? Yeah, check this out. You know who had a, a lightning-shaped scar? Jesus. You know, I do Most find, people don't know that. <laughs> I do find that a lot of people uh, who believe in the Bible have never read the Bible. I have seen that. Because I have... I have read the Bible. I have read it twice. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff in yeah, there, yeah, too. Yeah. Don't spill your seed. Yeah, exactly. Somehow you will be smote. Right, or if you wear mixed fabrics, uh, you're going to be smote. <laughs> 
Damn, I'm screwed. Basically, you get smote on a lot. Of There's a lot of smoting. Yeah. Uh, so I promised in the beginning of this that we were going to talk about Toxoplasma gondii. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Let me, let me, let Did me, you read anything? No, I didn't because I refused to. But I'll tell you this, because Tom was like, you hear about this Toxo thing and cat ladies. I'll, we'll get to that, but I want to frame it this way. I told Tom... Tom, you need to watch this documentary on Netflix, which you have yet to watch. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and I tell the Z-Pack this, Z-Pack, watch this documentary. <laughs> it's called Catwalk. And it is a Canadian documentary about these crazy cat ladies in Canada who enter their cats in cat shows. And they go follow these three cats, uh, Ooh La La, Bobby, and Chance. And they all compete for the Canada's top cat. And it is amazing. And the it, it's weird. It's 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 disturbing. It's hilarious. It's alternatively touching. And you start to go, could I put myself in this person's place where their life is around this cat? They're living in this interesting trailer type home and they're grooming this cat with a vacuum cleaner on reverse, blowing this Angora cat's hair. And they, they their t- tears well up in their eyes when the cat gets second place, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was intense. So, so, the, t- so, okay, so I guess we should say Scientific American came out with an article that says that uh, toxo- people with, who are infected with Toxoplasma gondii have a 47% uh, higher likelihood of developing schizophrenia. Mm. And they had, it came out of a study in Denmark, I think, where they uh, studied 80,000 people, uh, both pre and post schizophrenia and pre and post. Uh, infection with toxoplasma mm. gondii. Mm. And uh, I thought it was very interesting because it kind of like lends back to this whole, you know, theory that, you know, since antiquity, cats have been um, idolized mm. and that we've had crazy cat ladies forever. Mm. And you know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know. Do you, did you ever see, did I ever show you the Lewis Wayne paintings? Lewis Wayne was this, uh, you know, English uh, art, oh, yeah, you're artist back in like the Victorian era who would just put the he would he would paint these cats who were just like drinking tea or you know uh, playing <laughs> badminton or something and then he develops schizophrenia and the cats start to look like hindu deities <laughs> and it gets it's increasing in geometry and complexity mm. and they have they have this sinister quality to them but, but they're like beautiful it's like really crazy artist. So if you want to look that up, look up Lewis Wayne. I, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I'm going to check that out for yeah. sure. Right now here, because because that, see, that's fascinating. It actually reminds me of Paul Stamets' interview on Rogan, yeah. where he was talking about doing mushrooms. This guy, if you've ever done mushrooms, which you have, or, you know, psychedelics. Hell yeah, I have. Uh, fungi take on a spiritual significance. Yeah. There's something about it. You're almost entering a fungal mindset. And what Stamets says is these big mycoplasm, these big um, mycotic uh, networks under forests have more connections than the human mind. Yeah. And the question is, are they sentient in some level that we don't understand? Terrence McKenna used to think that they were sort of like a, a stored consciousness. A, That's right. A collective human experience throughout, you know, the generations and things. And I mean, you can never prove that, but that so, was what he thought. So you wonder if like a, an organism like Toxo, which is this uh, sort of single-celled parasite, is somehow this little agent of conscious, a conscious agent that's doing stuff to us right? yeah. beyond what it does technically. So here, here's, here's some info on that. So your cat is friends with, or perhaps unwittingly an accomplice of this is from I fucking love science. Okay. Who I trust implicitly because of their name, uh, a very strange parasite that's long been accused of having a peculiar effect on human behavior known as Toxoplasma gondii. Uh, I think that's how you say gondii. It's like for Gondor. A number of previous studies have linked the parasite to everything from risky behavior to severe psychiatric problems. And others research have found that this mind controlling ability is perhaps a bit overstated. Now the new study, largest of its kind, has weighed in on the debate and concluded that the notorious parasite has ties to schizophrenia, although the nature of this link is unknown. So that was my first thought. Yeah. Because here's, 
Okay, let's see. They, they looked at 11,500 participants in the Danish blood donor study. That sounds like a real party. Hey, bro, are you, are, are you in the Danish blood donor study? Yeah, I am too, Sven. Well, let's go. Let's go give some blood and we'll have a party. We can have a hot sauna. <laughs> it's a hot sauna. And then we will, you know, vasodilate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's your lutefisk. <laughs> um, and search for specific antibodies against T. gondii and cytomegalovirus. Okay, so what they found was uh, the parasite was found significantly more often in the blood of people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia. So they found increased T. gondii infections with people with schizophrenia. The level of association exceeds both the genetic and the most other environmental risk factors for schizophrenia to date. In other words, it's the strongest association they've seen, supporting close relation between T. gondii and schizophrenia. Now here's the thing, because it's transmitted via cat poo. Yeah. My thought is, well, People with schizophrenia, maybe they own more cats. So something about being schizophrenic or having a tendency to schizophrenia makes you a cat person. Yeah. And then you get infected and there it is. Or it is. Something that's interesting about- A causative um, association. Uh, toxoplasma is that it starts off life in rats and then- that, uh, Yeah, it's a life cycle of it. And it actually, part of the risk uh, increasing behavior is it makes- rats sexually attracted to cat urine. Ooh. So rats run right into the cats oh, who want to kill them. And uh, you know, you kind of have to think this parasite might be wanting okay. to move its way up, it, the, up the chain. You know, this so it guy, goes from rats to cats to humans. It's invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. You know, and again, if you- To elephants. If you subscribe <laughs> to the conscious agent theory of reality, it's a conscious, a series of conscious agents yeah. doing shit. But it's fascinating. By the way, now nah, we'll talk about that another time. I think we're at what? Uh, we're at an hour and three minutes. It's interesting because we're never going to know what, I don't, you know, we're never really going to know what causes schizophrenia, I don't think. Because yeah. it's definitely, it's certainly not a chemical imbalance in my opinion. Mm. Right? I think this chemical imbalance thing is fucking bullshit, it's bullshit. For, for as though, mental illness. As though we have a bunch of chemicals swirling around in our brain mm -hmm. and that's what The chemical imbalance we're, we're measuring right. is an epiphenomenon. It's an iconography of what, it's a correlation. Exactly. It's not the causation of this yeah. disease. I think it's something more like uh, you get stuck in a feedback loop or, or something, you know, because I've had, I've had experiences like on psychedelics where I'm full on hallucinating. And I have to imagine that's close to what being schizophrenic is, if mm -hmm. not the same. Um, but you know, it dissipates when the drug dissipates and I, I don't, I'm not stuck in the experience, but if you got stuck in a, a loop of this experience, they would just call me schizophrenic and they would be like, okay, this, he broke his brain doing this drug mm -hmm. and now he's schizophrenic. Well, know? and Mike, Michael Pollan in his book, uh, How to Change Your Mind actually talks about this. The early uses of LSD were felt to be psychotomimetic. Yeah. So a way that uh, clinicians and therapists could understand their psychotic patients. And um, because it, it, it is, it is that experience of, oh my gosh, but, but you have a little meta awareness that, okay, this is just a drug. Right. Whereas the schizophrenic does not. There are other things you talked about getting caught in loops and things like that. Even Stamets talked about that with his stuttering that the psilocybin experience high dose actually reset that loop. Yep. And he was able to step out of that pattern of behavior. Um, it's all really fascinating. I think this resurgence in psychedelic research is gonna be one of the great transformations actually in, in human therapeutics. And it sounds overblown, but it's not. No, it's, it's not overblown, true. especially not if you've done psychedelics yeah. and you know the, the potential for the reset. And, and we should clarify this. You know? It's not just done psychedelics. You have to have done a proper dose in the right set and setting right. with the right intention. Right. Otherwise, you're just out there going, dude, look at the tables going. Duh. You know, it's like Stamets said on the show, he's like, I hate it when people call them shrooms, man. 
that yeah. really is just a bastardization and a and a belittling and a sillyification and an infantilization of what is really a powerful therapeutic, the likes of which we do not have in our armamentarium. They're entheogens. Yes, That's which what means uh, what uh, spiritual genesis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's it's really fascinating. Uh, Let's do some drugs, man. I know, man. <laughs> I really want to, except I don't want to lose my medical license. I have to wait till it's legal. It's um, been it's been like what seven years since I've had a high dose uh, psychedelic psychedelic experience. experience. Yeah, Tom and I have been talking about this, like, because we need this spiritual reset. At what, some point. I think part of the problem is, you know, like right now, if you want to do it in a, a a proper set and setting, you have to basically like go down to like Costa Rica or yeah. somewhere where it's legal, mm -hmm. and you got to participate in this weird you know, ritual in the jungle and mm -hmm. in a language you don't speak and, you know, people are singing Icaros at you and things like, we should be able to do it here in a therapist <laughs> office, yeah. you know, like. It's pronounced the rapist. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. And, and here's the, even a bigger twist. So for as a doctor, I, I have to write, when I re-sign up for my license or my privileges, there's a question on there that says, do you do illegal drugs? Yeah. And those drugs are illegal. And so to be honest on that question, I can't do those drugs. So they need to be legal in a therapeutic setting. And now, I don't say- I'm Now, not, if you went to a province where they were legal and then did them, you could answer honestly and be like, no, I don't do illegal drugs. That's probably true, yeah. Because I transported myself somewhere true. where they were legal and then I did them. That's probably true. Yeah. There are interesting questions on that actually. Like, are, are, do you have any condition, substance abuse, mental illness that would affect your ability to be a, perform your duties as a doctor? Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, you need a lot of insight to answer that one right. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, no. I mean, except I'm a little crazy and like sometimes I wake up at night screaming. But other than that, <laughs> it was people used to say things like, you know, once you do LSD once, yeah, you're done. You're criminally insane. That's mm -hmm. why, that's how they they do it. They have a test and they'll you're cl you're clinically insane and Fla criminally insane. Flashback. Yeah, you know what it's called? It's called being woke, bitch. Yeah, and you have flashbacks. Okay, do you know how much acid you have to do to have a flashback? Yeah, you have to be like Timothy Leary a level. Tremendous. Well, amount. flashback is simply remembering what it was like to be on acid. Yeah. And it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. You go, oh shit, unless you had a bad trip. You know, I want flashbacks. I've forgotten. Yeah. I've forgotten what it was like. Let's go back, man. Bro. We gotta go back. Bro. You know, what was really funny is Rogan was telling Stamets, he's like, bro, you just need to go back in that tree. Cause he's like 10% of the time I still stutter. He's like, well, go back to that tree, take another 20 grams of mushrooms and you can kill that other 10% too. <laughs> uh, it's funny, Rogan is weirdly woke yeah. for like a caveman. He's really... He's unusual. Rogan's a, a renaissance man, as we say. <laughs> That's very strange. He's, the, ma for he's the male Oprah. Oh. He's just trying to get dudes to live their best life by going hunting and smoking weed. Checking out scat on trails. Yeah. Make sure, you know, there's no lions nearby. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually really like his shit, man. He's funny. It's, I, it's time to live your best life, z dude, I'm going to live my best life by trying to be more like Joe Rogan. Have you ever done DMT? I have not. <laughs> I need to. <laughs> DMT, you were saying, is like getting launched out of reality into an alternate world with fractal creatures that show you the nature of the universe. You know, the time I did DMT, it, it feels more real than sitting here with you mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Like, it just, it feels like home. Mm -hmm. It feels mm -hmm. like what it's going to be like when we die. It mm -hmm. feels insane. Mm -hmm. it, you can't describe it. Like, words don't ineffable, do the... Ineffable, yeah. Yeah, it's ineffable. The words don't do the experience justice. Well, but he, So here's, here's what Michael Pollan speculated and... He may or may not be right. The dissolution of the ego, the doubting mind, the, the discriminating mind, that sub mind that's like, this is bullshit. You're on a drug. 
when that dissolves, you have no capacity to question the experience and it feels as true as anything can ever feel. Right. So is it that, or are you actually being revealed truths of the nature of reality? I think that uh, the answer doesn't matter whether it's real or whether it's all in, yeah, your, in your mind I'm because with you. You, you, you experience it. And so then you're better for it. It's real to you. And you're better for yeah. it. It's a lasting improvement in who you are. Yeah. This is the magic of these psychedelic therapists. So Adrian, ja uh, Adrian Jasky says, go to my shaman healing sessions, no drugs, sweat lodge, meditation. I can't do the sweat lodge thing, too damned hot, but he's the real deal. No, and You lost I me at no drugs. <laughs> you actually got me at no drugs. So I think these are experiences that can be had on some level without drugs, including in meditation. Yeah. No, this is true. There's a technique called holotropic breathing. Holotropic breathing, you know which, which pa Paul talks about in his, in his book. Yeah. He did it and you know what? He went into AFib. Oh, that's During the holotropic breathing, yeah, because he has he was already at risk for it. He's had it before. Yeah, you can have a very um, interesting experience on holotropic breathing. Like, yeah, it's like uh, have you done it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, what's just the, by myself in my room? You know what I mean? Like, right. On you weren't just on masturbating. It was a, no. a literal breathing. No. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's because sometimes you get a little holotropic. <laughs> I wasn't as fixating myself uh, or anything like that. Uh, R.I.P. David Carradine. Basically, it's just, it, you're just hyperventilating in a very specific pattern until mm -hmm. you know you kind of pass out a little bit and mm. then you know you have this sort of it's a very straight it's a very clear experience it, and it feels similar to dmt but at a much lower level mm -hmm. you know what i mean it feels like five meo dmt mm. which is uh different than nn dmt mm. you know Steph people are gonna be like what the hell what you the hell about? no that's a different show <laughs> stephanie dyer says dude the only real thing is your brain um, I would actually say the only real thing is your mind and your your conscious perception. That's what's real. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what reality is, it's what you make of it. And the, look, Logan's using funky wipes to, but do some more funky wipe. There it is. There it is. Hey, yeah. hey man. Hey bro, you're really tripping me out, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what are we at now? We're at uh, an hour and 10. I think we should stop. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I could go on for two hours, but our audience will be like, fuck you. Who's going to win the Super Bowl, Z-Dog MD? I don't even know who's playing. <laughs> Actually, no, I guessed the other day the New England Patriots. because You guessed the Patriots? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guess but apparently I was too slow to get the 500 bucks that I'll you promised me and Logan if we could name one team in the Super Bowl. I'll give you a, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. The other team's mascot is an animal. <laughs> They're a West Coast team. Oh, the San Diego Chargers. That's, That's not an, an animal. animal. A charger? It's not an animal. It's not a bull or something? It's a lightning bolt. <laughs> Okay, let me think. It's an animal and it's a West Coast. The Seattle Seahawks. No. Okay. The uh, Fresno Toyotas. No. It's the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, the Rams. Really? The Rams. The Rams are in the Super Bowl? They're very good. They have a young coach. He's very good. Wow. They're not going to win, though, because Tom Brady's going to kick their ass. I don't even like Tom Brady, but so you got to respect greatness. You know what I mean? So is are, are the Rams in the AFL, the CFL, the DFL? Who are they? Explain to me. It's, it's the AFC and the NFC. Oh. Rams are an, an NFC team. Thank you. And the you. Patriots are an AFC team. L let me say one thing. I grew up in the Central Valley of California around a lot of white people. This and is they true. love their sports. Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't have the intellectual capacity to understand football. And so I never knew it at all. And so I would have to pretend and put on these complex displays <laughs> of understanding. It'd be so much easier just to learn what, what offsides is or pass interference. Yeah, no, know? no. I, I was, because what would happen is like something like this would happen. Hey, hey, did you see what happened with the game last night? Oh, I totally saw. I would go, and, and this is where I learned to confabulate a bit. Real, yeah, did you see what happened with what's his name? Dude, unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. You know when he went for the da-da-da? 
you know what? It bothers me because, you know, I was like, that's going to happen. And it happened. Dude, honestly, if I was going <laughs> to bet on football, you know who I get the best advice from is my wife. Because my wife watches the games with me and she follows the players' wives on Instagram. <laughs> and legit, I'm not even joking. Like literally, literally, we'll be watching the game and she'll be like, yeah, you know, Eric Decker, he's not going to have a good game today. Like he was just looking off. He looked a little sick in the, in the last picture she posted. And I'll be like, for real word, should I have bet on this? <laughs> you know Dude, I mean? that's amazing. Yeah. So she's using her female relational abilities, stereotypically, and her nursing skills to diagnose mm -hmm. his mental state and therefore his performance status. Oh yeah. And does it correlate? It correlates. Oh damn, yeah. dude. If I bet on her advice, I would win 100% of the time. Wow. I know. She's 100% of the time it works 10% of the but time. But the problem is every time I get there, I'm like, she's probably not right. I'm gonna do the opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cause you're oppositional to find. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you will have to be right. You're like, no, what can that, that can't be right. Um, <laughs> me and my wife are both oppositional to find. She bought me some hot sauce from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's makes this amazing <laughs> habanero hot sauce. Hey, you've been telling me about I this. didn't eat it for three years. It just sat in the back of the cupboard. I was like, I don't eat this hot sauce. Well, I don't even know why you would get me this, you know? And then I finally <laughs> ate it and I was like, this hot so sauce good. is amazing. So I do the same thing yeah, with my yeah. wife. By the way, so this is a good way to go out. Cindy uh, Bernard, who's a supporter plus two, uh, says, good talk. Now go live your best lives. Oh, snaps. Thumbs up. My best life is eating Popeye's chicken for lunch. Lazy keto for the win. <laughs> And we out. We're out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community really. And we support and love each other and share again through our own experience how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.